Welcome, everyone, to another Cup of Nurses episode with your hosts, Matt and Peter. Thank you guys for tuning on this beautiful day. Thank you guys for liking, subscribing. If you enjoy our content and think there's some value, please share with your loved ones. And don't forget to hit the five stars. It ranks us and it motivates us to keep on producing high-quality content. For all that are wondering, cupofnurses.com and We Are Frontline Warriors is officially out for all the merch. And thank you for the 1K subs. We have a lot of cool things coming along the way, as always. Keep in store. And for any current news or anything you guys want, updates on us, cupofnurses.com. Hi, doing, Pete? I'm doing great. You know, I'm glad you mentioned YouTube because what comes to mind is our Pacific Northwest trip that we took. Those vlogs are going to be coming out in the next coming weeks on YouTube. Of course, Cup Nurses channel, so definitely tune into those. We visit a lot of places, a lot of cool destinations. And everything that we've took pictures on Instagram, you want to see how awesome these edits are, the 360 cam, the drone footage. Like We just actually took a look at it 30 minutes ago, and it looks epic. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. But bringing it back to this episode, we are going to talk about methadone, what it is, what it's used for, how we use it, and also mental health, which goes along beautifully with methadone because methadone is used commonly for fentanyl and heroin addiction. Yeah, and it's when it comes to methadone, I've gave it a few times to my patients. And it's interesting because those are the patients that are usually very anxious mm. and they need the damn thing. If they don't have their methadone or you're waiting for orders, whatever the case might be, you might get into some trouble with them. They're going to like cuss you out. Yeah, I haven't given it recently, but I know during clinicals, I was in present St. Uh, Joseph's in Joliet in, in Illinois. I think they might have changed the name name of it or something like that, because I haven't been there in a long time. But literally, in my ER rotation clinical, I just basically give a methadone like candy. Uh, Julia had a, had a pretty big population of, of heroin and fentanyl users during that time. And that's around the time where the drug croc- crocodile was, was starting to, to, to be known. All those videos in mm-hmm. Florida, people going crazy. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, a lot of drug users, fentanyl, heroin, and I give methadone fairly commonly. And to be honest... A lot of nurses, when I was paired up with them, when I asked about methadone, they basically told me that it's a replacement for one drug for another. So now it's kind of interesting to look at society and what they expect uh, about health is, interesting is that society expects like a one pill solution for for everything, for weight loss, muscle gain, cognitive performance, and now we even give a drug for drug users, right? And we live in a society where we expect that everything and anything could be solved with just one pill. And that's Simple solution. That's a solution that we ask for. So that's the solution that that's a solution that the corporations give us. They're not gonna give us an actual fix to the problem if we're not asking for an actual fix to the problem. They're gonna give something us they're gonna give us something that also benefits them financially and doesn't really solve the root of the problem. Yeah, and that's that's the main issue, is the root of the problem. Why are you coping the way you're coping taking these drugs or you know alcohol and you know even if they take methadone and you see these patients with the same reoccurring issues that kind of brought them to the hospital in the first place and you ask and it's it's just a vicious cycle especially if you understand the way opioids work it affects our reward system correct and it releases dopamine and when when these neurotransmitters are released over time it takes more and more to get that same high the same Mm -hmm. dopamine so usually you Users that are taking fentanyl and heroin, they need more and more and more. And that's what it comes to even like methadone users is, you know, they start with a specific dosage and it's not enough for them. They want more and more. And you see these patients on crazy amount of methadone or sometimes um, 
the the pain the chronic ones you know you look at they have narcos if uh percocet they're like ms cotton like freaking 50 milligrams a day or something mm-hmm. like whoa like how is this possible how is this person still feeling so much pain for those of you who don't, don't know about methadone methadone is in the same family as heroin and and fentanyl so they're all opioids and they're all addictive uh, chemicals and, and, and compounds and they all work on the same receptor as Matt said, which is the, the mu receptor, also known as MOR, MORs, MORs. Uh, f- f- for short. And like Matt said, this, this mu receptor is, is responsible for your, your pleasure pathways. And in this case, with these drugs is your dopamine pathway. And when you use fentanyl, heroin, and methadone, either one of those, it releases neurotransmitter called dopamine, which is your basically your, your pleasure neurotransmitters. They make you feel good. And it leads to addictive behaviors because by it promoting those those pathways and release dopamine, your body wants to be at that dopamine level all the time. So that's why you're always craving for it. So the main difference between methadone and other opioids, because you may be thinking, if methadone is an opioid, what's the point of giving it? Methadone is an opioid, but doesn't pr- produce as euphoric effects as fentanyl and, and heroin would. They it still does produce some euphoric effects like like sedation. Um, respiratory depression, uh, things like that. That's why it's also addicting. And sometimes people overuse it because they get those sedating effects and they chase that kind of high. Instead of chasing that high from fentanyl and heroin, they chase that high of, of methadone. Yeah, and, and that's the rationale for methadone is that mu receptor is you're not getting that eurofic feeling, but you're still getting your technically fix, which is preventing you to go into relapsing or wanting that drug. Yeah. So it's it's almost like, we figured out the molecule that in, inhibits it, and okay, now we could patent it, and then we could sell that molecule, but it's still not solving the issue at its at its core, which is what we always talk about. Yeah, so like on the flip side, the benefit of methadone is is take a look at your typical, or not, I don't want to say typical, let's just say you, you're looking at somebody that does drugs a lot, a lot of fentanyl, a lot of heroin, they're not able to function in society, they can't do certain tasks. What methadone offers is kind of the same thing that you could say in a sense, but makes you more functionable. Because if you see somebody that's using heroin or fentanyl, they're usually, you know, almost passed out on the couch. They're, you know, they're not able to do anything. With methadone, it's still just as addictive, if not more, but it still allows people to function throughout the day because it doesn't give you those same effects. But at the root cause, you're not really fixing the root cause of, you're not fixing the root problem because you're taking them off one addictive compound to another one. And even though you might, not have the same effects and the the same euphoria and the same addictive properties, you're still having somebody dependent on something. And in this case, instead of you know them paying a local drug dealer, they're now paying the pharmaceutical industry the cost of methadone. Exactly, because it's synthetic and it can be patented. And of course, it does have the positive of people being able to function on it, but that's not the only step that should, that should be taken. A lot of times that is the only step that's taken because people don't go to their appointments and now, especially during COVID-19 and the pandemic, prescription for methadone and regulation for methadone has definitely been lessened. And that's why it's more widely available to, to uh, methadone users for treatment. But then again, they're not hitting their appointments and they're not getting that full benefit of the pharmaceutical aspect of methadone and also the clinical aspect in seeing a psychologist and a physician on a weekly or every three-day basis, depending on how that drug regimen is. Yeah, it's wild how even methadone became like the world leading drug to help with heroin um, abuse and it actually started in world war ii the germans actually created methadone they create a lot of stuff man so for for optimal results yeah just like you said they have to do counseling and things like that and i also feel that 
you know, we're going to go into mental health is this is where the system fails these people is because they don't, there's no other options for them. I feel like they just get the simple fix pill solution and maybe they could, you know, go into the 12 step program of heroin users, whatever mm-hmm. that is, their type of counseling. But, but like, what else, what else can we do to help these poor people? I mean, there's been ideas of, Slow. Let's just. So there's different theories on how to tackle the, these drug issues. Some people think that giving them heroin and fentanyl, but in smaller and smaller doses, so they could come off it. That's another way to to do that. Do it. But I know uh, Russell Brand and a lot of other advocates of of drug prevention and addiction counseling. They promote a method a method with abstinence. So they believe that the best way to treat this is with abstinence completely getting rid of this chemical out of your system. And that does lead to a lot of withdrawal effects. There is certain medication that we could give to people in the hospital that are are withdrawing, but it's still not a very pretty sight and it's not very pleasurable and it's very intense and hard for the user. That's why they they usually relapse because it's such a difficult process. But it has been shown to probably be the most effective process if you go through it with some help and guidance and, and support. Just just completely stopping that, that addiction. Same with alcohol, same with all drug addictions. Usually the best option is to completely stop it, except for, for benzos and those kind of medications because you have to slowly come off those. Otherwise, you're going to have withdrawal, a, yeah. a, a crazy withdrawal effects that can lead to coma and, and other things. So for benzos, you want to slowly take them off it. And with opioids, sometimes cold turkey is the best approach compared to slowly taking them off it. Yeah, so was, the question is, is the method on a good solution for opioid addictions? And the way you presented your case, yes, because you're able to function properly in society. But now we have to bridge the other step. And just like you said, Russell Brand does a great job of expressing soberity and trying to get people off this. And if you look at like the methadone deaths, it's crazy because deaths from opioids increased 300 percent in the past 20 years. We know that the whole big uh, pharma Purdue issue that happened lawsuit, we know that we through greed and money, we kind of hooked a society on prescription drugs in a way. And of course, because these prescription drugs are so ex- expensive, we started doing heroin and things like that. I think that blew my mind the most when I was a nursing student, I was reading somebody's chart and I've realized that this person started doing uh, heroin because it was cheaper than the opioids that she was taking mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like I just got so mind blown that this is the help. This is, it's sad that this person, person got faced in that you know situation but there was nothing else that we can do mm. at that moment like it's it's almost like that that nursing judgment of oh you're being a good nurse you want to help them so much but there's nothing else we can do yeah. drug drug addiction is something very hard to to prevent and, and stop because it's very hard on the user when they're addicted and it's basically a one person process so it's not like surgery where you have a broken ankle and somebody fixes you. It's something that has to be fixed internally and on your own will. And no one could force you to, to do counseling or go through the addiction process or coming off certain drugs. It's only you. That's what makes it really hard. It is usually a lonely process because no one's really experiencing the same feelings you are experiencing when you hop off these drugs. Yeah. And, you know, and like I said, in modern society, we always want a one pill fixed for everything and... I think we should take a big look at methadone. And even though we have been using it for years and years and years, and for a lot of people, it does wonders, we should probably take a look look back and say, hey, this isn't working as well as, as we intended it to work. Let's try and figure out some solutions that 
that could move away from methadone or even introduce something that could be paired up with methadone, maybe stricter guidelines or something like that, because we're literally putting one person from a drug onto another drug. Yeah, especially when we looked at one of the studies. So methadone accounted for approximately 1% of all opioid prescriptions. Yet in 2014, it was approximated that accounted for 23% of all opioid deaths. That's wild. So, yeah. you know, linking this, like it's still a powerful drug, whether you're whether it's mm -hmm. legal or not. Technically, it's legal because of just changing one molecule, which is still mind-blowing because it's still, you're still getting high off it. Yeah, it's, it's still an opioid. Like it still produces those same effects, respiratory depression and, and knowledge that are associated with opioids, except for that, for, for that high. So people could literally overdose on this. And some people say say that it's even harder coming off methadone that it is heroin or, or fentanyl it's that's what it's one of those things where it's not a a one solution for for all it can't really be standardized drug treatments have to be kind of done on a person to person basis that's why counseling and psychiatry and psychologists are so important in this in this aspect yeah. and process because like i said you can't fix them so the only way we can really help somebody is just by talking to them. That's really the only way we can fix them. Otherwise, it's just a, a, a one-person process. And that goes perfectly into mental health because that this is the fix for all of our problems. And even the people that are taking methadone, who knows what their story is, but we can reverse that over time. Um, NLP is an interesting to, thing too, neuro-linguistic programming, where I don't know if it's something that we could use maybe for these patients. So we'd have to ask... Alex or psychologist, but imagine if you could re reprogram the programming of the body through like almost like a state of hypnosis in a way. Hmm. That'd be interesting. A little little side should, theory. We should have the hypnotherapist back on and see if she does any any hypnosis with people that have drug addictions that or would alcoholics. Be, that'd be very cool. Mm -hmm. yep. So we we looked at some like COVID related related data regarding mental health, and we found some pretty um pretty wild things. So. During the pandemic, a larger than average share of young adults aged between 18 and 24 reported symptoms of anxiety disorder or depressive disorder. So that's 56% of, of all uh, people aged between 18 and 24. And compared to all adults, young adults are more likely to report substance use, 25% versus 13%, and illicit suicidal thoughts, 26% to 11%. So suicide thoughts, substance abuse, depression, and anxiety have all gone up during the pandemic. During the pandemic. And this is because of isolation, fear, mm -hmm. and the lockdown. It's not the virus that's causing the problem. It's just all of our restrictions. Of course, it happened for all good reasons. But are we giving our you know U.S. citizens the proper techniques to cope because like in, in school and i've said this many times we didn't learn emotional intelligence or how to properly assess you know situations or how to de-escalate them or how to be less reactive in society and maybe take a step back from the situation and think about this instead of just reacting to everything that is thrown at you yeah. and you know and maybe this could lead to you know depression and it's also unfortunately you know mainstream media and constantly just funneling fear it's it's wild to me because we've always been thinking that the government or something has our best interests in mind where we're, we're looking for simple solutions. We know that the sun is super, super healthy. We talked about it so much during COVID. That was almost like discredited. Mm. Now look what happened with sunscreen. We've we've talked about it on the podcast. Sunscreens are, are have chemicals that cause issues. And then we take away exercise. We take away the, the movement of life, which we need to feel good. You take away people's purpose, which whether it's jobs or something. And it's, you know, I feel like humans 
lost their sense of reality and they lost their sense of what they should be doing to the world to feel like they're they're giving something. I feel like people stop giving something of themselves and we're we're going into such issues because there's just no satisfaction. There's no satisfaction from the outside world that you're getting of being a good citizen in the world. Mm. So instead of you're looking at it with these short-term fixes of social media, whether it's junk food, porn addiction, drug, X, Y, and Z, you name it, bad habit, you're just filling that in. Yeah, satisfaction was definitely crippled during during that pandemic. And even uh, some research is, is showing that people that have become jobless are more prone to mental health issues uh, versus people that, that have jobs. Yeah, it and, was, and that's 50, yeah, that's 53% yeah. versus 32% people that actually you know, shared me- mental health illnesses, but they had an income and a job. Yeah, and th- that makes sense because a lot of drug users, they use drugs as a way to as a way of release almost so why one of the theories why drug use has increased during the pandemic is because they people have a lack of control there they were told they couldn't go outside they were told they couldn't go to these stores they couldn't come to work and they were they were controlled so people felt like they don't have control over their lives so people that were that are more prone to addictive behavior starting using drugs because drugs offer them escape that escape mechanism and, and that control because they were able to control their drug use. They're the ones saying, hey, I'm gonna do these drugs compared to somebody telling them what to do, right? So you want, they want that control over their lives and that's one mechanism and one way to control your life is through drug use. Yeah. And also for that escape, if you're, if you're unemployed and you're backed up on, on bills and people are telling you you can't come into work, you're getting supplemental income from the government but it's not enough to cover these bills and you're constantly in debt, in debt yeah, you're, some people are going to use drugs as the escape just a break from all these societal pressures and these stresses that you have to endure because of this whole shutdown. So of course people are going to push for drugs and it's sad that that it happened and we got to figure out how to, you know, move forward in a way. And even like we talk about methadone, regulations have gotten a lot looser during during the, during the pandemic and people are dying from overdoses and prescribed drugs. Yeah, and it goes oh, it goes into like the Maslow's hierarchy where we our basic needs have been taken away and that's stressful for us like maintaining a job or socializing properly where you feared going to your loved ones because they would have got sick or something it just it just kept going and it's wild because when i looked into like videos about like secret societies and how they like recruit people side Mm -hmm. note here like fear and isolation is one of the first techniques they use to like drive the person down even the military does a form of this, but this is different. They just drill you through such a long period of their, ah, oh geez. Like the onboarding process. The onboarding like process, right? You have to like, they rebuild you mm-hmm. in the way that you want to be built in a way, or they want you to be built. Yeah. If you guys don't know how serious this pandemic affected mental health and, and drug use, the CDC said that there was an increase in drug-related deaths by 29% from 2019 to 2020. And I think it's like 93,000 people died from, from, from overdoses, from, from drugs because of the pandemic. And that's, that just shows you that these lockdowns definitely had a mental impact on us because we don't, we usually don't seek drug, drug users usually aren't happy people in society. They're usually not the ones that, that are contributing a lot to society, They're usually ones that are broken down and, and beat up. And this just showed that the pandemic had detrimental effects on our mo- one of our most vulnerable populations. Why isn't there research that shows the correlation between negative news constantly being bombarded to your newsfeed and mental, depre- you know, mental 
issues and illnesses and all that because it probably hurt advertisers yeah i mean it would hurt advertisers and it's wild because we get the stimulation constantly and that's one that's one way i've learned to cope let's just say we podcast and we need to find all this evidence-based research so while we're here in chicago i have i only want to dedicate two days a week to like consume the web and all this information and then the rest of the week i rather just focus on my purpose and what I enjoy doing in life because yeah, it drags you down. It's very, it's, it requires a lot of energy and you don't understand how much energy and mental power it takes to do research and to keep looking at the news. You're getting you're looking at multiple outlets and there some people are saying different things. You're trying to figure out who's telling the truth, who's not, what's actually going on. And it's every day is always something new. So he's like Matt said, he devotes two days to looking up the news and trying to see what's on, what's going on in the world. And that's probably how much you should you devote to. You shouldn't be looking at the news every day because there's just so much going on and you're going to always be confused. You're always going to be brought down because there's rarely anything positive and joyful on the news. If it is, it's usually like in the morning and it's like a picture of a dog or, or some kids for like five minutes to get your morning yeah. started. And then rest is just negative, negative, negativity. And if you keep surrounding yourself by negativity, you're going to be a negative person and you're never going to get out of a hole if you dug yourself a hole. Yeah, and that's literally how that works. I want to help society, but we can't like you have to we'd have to literally unplug the keys from the matrix, which is just everything. The whole the whole culture, I think, is what it is like. We need to unplug from the culture, whether it's social media. And I feel so bad for women listening. You know, it's just the comparison on social media and the fight for wanting to remain natural, for example. Imagine how women are constantly fighting with beauty and comparison and, you know, that's their that's their very essence sometimes. And, you know, we have it as men, whether it's pornography and all that and unrealistic goals, whether it's, you know, cars and wanting something. Oh, he's traveling there. I don't have that. And there, there's always society is always telling you you're not enough. Mm-hmm. And, and that's leading to a lot. And it just deprives you of your purpose and everything else. And it just spirals down to essentially negativity that's bringing you down it's causing depression we don't know what the link to depression is we don't know how this disease is it's very thoughts yeah it's very sad because a lot of the stuff that you see is is fake how are you going to trust your news outlet or what's fact and what's fiction if you have somebody like kim kardashian without without makeup going on camera and saying natural is beautiful like okay you you didn't wear makeup one day but yeah you have like fake lips fake eyelashes a fake nose and you know a fake ass and so fake titties and you're gonna say you said a lot i don't know if she has all that she has, fake yeah you're kidding me yeah she's all oh, that okay fake. i don't know man so, for yeah. sure <laughs> like, how are you gonna promote natural beauty when yeah. your life is literally all synthetic and botox right and then you you go out and kids don't know that you have these 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 implants and stuff and you say natural natural is beautiful and you have these kids look up to you and saying that's natural like she's not natural that's 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 not natural and people look up to her and saying oh she's a natural beautiful woman but she has all this synthetic stuff so you're basically telling them a lie you're basically saying that natural is beautiful but you're it really it isn't because you're artificial and that's why i don't know who's telling the truth truth ever that's why i want to bring up censorship but that's why you shouldn't censor things no matter how bad it is we as a as a community as society and as human beings I feel like internally, internally, we know what's right and what's wrong, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. We should be able to, able to judge that ourselves. You're always going to have those far right groups or far left groups that that are always super radical. But you know that those aren't the actual society. And you know you don't want to be part of that because 
of course they have their own issues yeah and you know that's not right so i don't want to be spoon fed information exactly either. exactly yeah and, and that's what's happening in our modern society oh, man we're getting into this misinformation and like this topic gets me heated um and you know today we actually sat down and we wrote a whole episode for the next week that we're going to record and uh, this is what i meant i took the whole day to just dive into the whole lab theory and everything and it's just it got me so sucked in and this is why you need to just unplug because there's just so much negativity associated with that yeah but we're gonna beat around the bush here keep talking <laughs> yeah, about it you know you guys know the business mental health is very important take care of yourselves find purpose passion in life do things that excite you take time for yourself and all that exciting stuff that we always preach on the podcast because we know that this is the way for longevity happiness and ultimately a better society thank you for your time have an amazing day peace